This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. We're in Acts chapter 2. The Church in Action, A Journey Through Acts. We are studying the book of Acts not as a historic study of the early church alone, but as a ministry manual. It is a practical tool for us today. The book of Acts is speaking of the acts of the Holy Spirit through his people, through the church. And we are the church and the Holy Spirit is still working today. They say that there are 28 chapters to the book of Acts. That's not so. There are 29 chapters, and we're the 29th chapter of Acts. God is still unfolding his history by his Holy Spirit through us. Well, as we saw in Acts chapter 1 last Sunday, Acts chapter 1 answers the question, how can we widen our circles of influence? And very practically, we saw five ways we can widen our circles of influence. First of all, we can write to others. Someone told me that they were writing to a grandson to tell him the gospel. Thank you, Ernie, for following through on the message. We are to be filled with the Holy Spirit if we're to widen our circles of influence. We can't do it in our strength and power alone. We are to look for the return for Christ, the return of Christ, that he's coming back at any time, is the greatest incentive for holy living and for bold witness. Jesus is coming back soon and very soon. And we are to join with others in prayer. Just as they joined in the upper room to pray, waiting for the Holy Spirit to empower them to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, so we are to pray with others. Have you found two others to pray with you in a prayer triplet? And then be a witness of the risen Lord, just as they chose Matthias to be the last of the 12 apostles, and him a witness of the resurrected Lord in a very unique way. We, in a very general way, are to be a witness that Jesus is alive, that we serve a risen Savior. We serve a risen Savior today. Now we are in Acts chapter 2, and Acts chapter 2 answers the question, how can we declare the wonders of God? How can you and I declare the wonders of God? And the answers are sixfold. And we're going to go through them briefly. We can declare the wonders of God by being united in prayer, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you seeing a trend here? That unity and the power of the Holy Spirit 
are going to be a theme through the book of Acts. We can declare the wonders of God by using simple language. We'll learn about that in a moment. We can declare the wonders of God by answering questions with Scripture. When people ask us questions about the Lord, direct them to God's Word. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And then we can declare the wonders of God by assimilating new believers. When someone comes to Christ, we include them in a small group of believers, in a prayer meeting, in a Bible study, and eventually in a church. So this is the way that we can declare the wonders of God. Let's look at this section by section. First of all, we can declare the wonders of of God by being united in prayer. In Acts 2-1, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 120 disciples were all together in the upper room, and they were praying in a united, concerted way. They were waiting upon the Lord. They were surrendering to God. They were acknowledging that they are weak, but he is strong. They are poor, but he is rich. They are fearful, but he is the object of their faith. We need to do that. We need to pray in a united way, agreeing in Jesus' name. Notice in chapter 1, verse 14, it also mentioned that they were united in prayer. Chapter 114 says they all joined together constantly in prayer. So this is a theme in the book of Acts. And this is a practice of the church that's part of the ministry manual today. If we want to see the acts of the Holy Spirit, we need to be a prayerful people. Secondly, we declare God's wonders by the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice as it says in chapter 2, verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Who enabled them? The Holy Spirit enabled them. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Christ. We can't do it in our own energy and in the fumes of our personality. The Holy Spirit inside of us is making an appeal for people to be reconciled with God. And we are to be Christ's ambassadors cooperating with him. The Holy Spirit burdens our hearts to see people as sheep without a shepherd, helpless and harassed, needing the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, who laid down his life for them. So we need the Holy Spirit. Now, in this unique historic situation, three things happened that confirmed the giving of the Holy Spirit. Number one, there was a strong wind. There was a loud sound, number two. And number three, there were tongues of fire above each disciple's head. This was the birth of of the church. This was the church's birthday. 
the day of Pentecost. Jesus had been crucified, dying on the cross to pay for our sins. Jesus had risen on the third day just as it had been foretold. And Jesus showed himself with many proofs over a 40-day period to the disciples, to more than 500 disciples who saw that Jesus was alive. And Jesus said, wait for the Holy Spirit, the power on high, so that you will be my bold witnesses. And he ascended on the 40th day. Well, there are 50 days to the day of Pentecost. Pentecost was a Jewish feast that was honored and acknowledged by pilgrims who came from all over to be in Jerusalem. They came from all over the world to celebrate Pentecost in Jerusalem. There were people, Jewish people from every nation, gathered in Jerusalem. And these disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says in verses 5 through 11, and I'll take a portion of that, now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. The Holy Spirit, in the form of tongues of fire, emboldened the disciples to spontaneously speak in the languages of all the different pilgrims from around the world. And not just speak their language, but speak their language right down to their dialect, right down to their regional accent. There was a freshman at Gordon College where I attended, and he had a very thick accent. I said, where are you from, Wayne? He said, I'm from Maine. Uh-huh. Bahaba, Maine. He was from Bar Harbor, Maine. But he said, Bahaba, Maine. He had such a thick accent that if one of these disciples filled with the Holy Spirit was speaking to him, he would not only speak in English, he would speak with the dialect of someone from Maine. That's remarkable, isn't it? Now, what does that say to you and me? It says that when we share the gospel, we are to declare God's wonders by using simple, understandable language. Simple, understandable language. Get rid of God talk and put the cookies on the bottom shelf. Keep it simple. Saint, you know the acronym, K-I-S-S, only I've changed the last S. Keep it simple, saint. So that's what God wants you and me to do. How do we apply this? We are to be filled with the Holy Spirit as a result of being united in prayer, waiting on the Lord, and we're to keep the message simple. Fourth, we are to declare God's wonders by answering questions with scripture now the people who had gathered heard this loud rushing wind they heard the disciples calling out in their language declaring the wonders of god and some said what does this mean they were confused 
What is this manifestation that's supernatural that 120 people should be broadcasting in our languages about the wonders of God? That Jesus died on the cross to pay for their sins. That Jesus rose from the dead. That they can have forgiveness of their sins and abundant eternal life through faith in Jesus Christ. How is it that they were hearing this? Some people assumed that these people had a party, and they were stone drunk. They were out of their minds, and somehow in their babbling, they happened to stumble upon words that were recognizable. Peter stood up, and he said, not so. It's not even nine in the morning. People who party, party later at night. It's not even nine in the morning. We are not drunk, as some of you suppose. This is that. Peter immediately brought the circumstances of what was happening to what Joel had prophesied in the Old Testament. And we can read about that in Joel chapter 2, 28 to 32. That in the last days, the Spirit of God would come on young and old alike, on all people, not just prophets, not just on priests, not just on kings, but the anointing of the Spirit would come on all people. This is that. And that prophecy in Joel was fulfilled in part on the day of Pentecost, but the signs and wonders yet to come in the heavens will still be fulfilled at a later time. I believe during the time of the tribulation. So, this is amazing. When a question was asked of Peter, of the group, Peter answered with Scripture. When somebody asks you a question, say, that reminds me of something that the Bible says. Or did you know you're asking a question that the Bible answers? Direct them to the Word of God. Why? Because faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. Peter also quotes Psalm 16, verses 8 to 11. To say to these Jewish believers, David had predicted a long time ago the Messiah would die, but he wouldn't be left to decay. That's because he would be risen from the dead, resurrected from the dead. And then he quoted Psalm 110, verse 1, that talks about the victory of the Messiah over his enemies. Peter answered the question, Biblically, we, in our ministry manual, are to answer people's questions by directing them to the Bible. And then we are to declare God's wonders by expecting a response. After Peter presented the scriptures, it says in chapter 2, verses 36 to 41, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made his Jesus, this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? To be cut to the heart means to be convicted. It means to be pierced in conscience, realizing that they had done a terrible, horrible thing, that they had crucified 
their very own Messiah. Peter was waiting for a response. He expected a response. Because when the word of God goes forth, it does not return to God void, but it has its full effect. When you share God's word, expect a response. Someone has defined witnessing as taking the initiative to share the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit, leaving the results up to God. But as you leave the results up to God, the word of God has a percolating effect. It has an impregnating effect. It goes round and round in the hearts of those who hear it. And it causes them to come to a conviction. That conviction is their need for Jesus Christ. Now, they'll either fight that conviction or they'll ask more about that. And here they said, brothers, what shall we do? I remember going to Nepal. You know, I had heard of Kathmandu, and um, I thought to myself, oh, that sounds like a far place I will never be. But I ended up there. And uh, um, I was in a village far in the interior of Nepal. And when they gathered the whole village together, sitting on the ground, I preached the gospel. And a Nepalese man interpreted for me, word by word, section by section. I laid out the gospel. And I kid you not, at the end of the sermon, he said, do you have any questions? I was like, oh no. I'm used to preaching, but not answering questions, but okay, let's see what happens. A man said, what must we do to be saved? Isn't that wonderful? Praise God, his word went forth, and there was a response. Well, the response was even greater than what Peter could have imagined, because it says in chapter 2, Verses 36 to 41, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter is saying, I'm glad you asked. Here's what you need to do. Trust in Jesus, and he'll forgive your sins. Trust in Jesus, and you will be filled with the Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and he will give you refreshment. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Sometimes you wonder when you share the gospel with a friend or a relative if there'll be any difference, any effect. And then years later, you find out the ripple effect was far greater than you thought. When I was in high school, I was learning how to share my faith using a tool called the Four Spiritual Laws. I remember going to the music band room at my high school, and Cindy Croa came in the band room. And I said, Cindy, I'm learning how to share my faith. Can I just take a few minutes to read this booklet to you called The Four Spiritual Laws? And she said, go ahead. 
And I remember I was so nervous as I was reading through the four spiritual laws that God loves you and has a plan for you and all have sinned and fall short and we can receive Christ to experience God's love and forgiveness. And which circle best represents your life, the one with Christ in it or the one with Christ outside of it? And then I finally looked over at Cindy, which circle? And she said, the one without Christ in it. I said, which circle would you want to have represent your life? She says, the one with Christ in it. I said, well, does this prayer to receive Christ express the desire of your heart? And she said, yes. And Cindy Croa prayed to receive Christ right there in the band room. But because I was such a newbie at sharing my faith, I said, oh, she was just doing that to be nice to me. Two years later, I'm in college, and I'm with my brother Dan, who's at Western Connecticut State College, and we're going to uh, one of his classes, and who should I run into but Cindy Croa? And to my shame, I said to Cindy, Cindy Croa, you're not a Christian, are you? Because I thought it was a fluke. And she said, not only am I a Christian, I'm the president of our Christian fellowship on campus. Shame on me and glory to God. God touched Cindy's heart. God saved Cindy radically, fully, completely. And God has been using Cindy to share the gospel more and more. Let's not underexpect what God can do. God saved 3,000 people in one day when Peter shared the gospel. Praise be to the Lord. The church went from 120 to 3,120 in one day. Finally, we are to declare God's wonders by assimilating new believers. What happens when you get 3,000 people as believers? What happens when you even get one person who trusts in Christ? The important thing is get them into the church. Get them into the fellowship because the cults are out there to try to mislead new believers. New believers aren't grounded yet. They can be tossed to and fro uh, with every wind of false doctrine. We need to assimilate new believers into the church. Someone has said to me, God entrusts new believers to churches that have an incubator for them. That is, we should have a new believers class ready to go for anyone who trusts in Christ. We should incorporate them into our prayer meeting, incorporate them into our Bible study. When someone comes to Christ, get them into the fellowship of believers. And that's what it says in Acts chapter 2, 42 to 47. It says they devoted themselves to four things, the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Those are essential practices for any believer to grow. Commit yourself to the teaching of God's word. Commit yourself to koinonia, sharing in common Christ with other believers. Fellowship. Commit yourself to the Lord's Supper and remembering what Christ did for you on the cross. And commit yourself to prayer. Every believer should be devoted to, committed to, those top priorities. 
And you know what happens when a church is committed to those priorities? Everyone was filled with awe at the wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, corporately as a congregation, but then they also broke bread in their homes in small groups and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. People wanted to be part of this new movement called The Way, after Jesus, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Because they saw the joy they had. They saw the love that they had. They saw the unselfish generosity that they had. They saw their sensitivity to those in need, like widows and orphans. And they said, we want what you have. And that's what we want for this day, for people to want what we have because they see the joy of the Lord in our hearts. They see the unity of the Spirit among us as God's people. Well, John Baca wasn't sure I was going to get through all of Acts chapter 2 in one message, but I'm emphasizing acts as a ministry manual, that is a practical tool for how we can follow this manual and allow the Holy Spirit to continue his acts through the church. The question, how can we declare the wonders of God? The answer, as we clearly have seen throughout Acts chapter 2, is six things. Number one, by being united in prayer. Number two, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Number three, by using simple, understandable language. Number four, by answering questions with Scripture. Number five, by expecting a response. And number six, by assimilating new believers. That's Acts chapter 2 as a ministry manual. Now, it's your responsibility and mine to put this to practice, to pray with other believers, to surrender to the Holy Spirit, to speak, take the initiative to share the gospel with somebody. Tell somebody how God answered prayer. Tell God somebody how much God loves them. Tell somebody that Jesus is alive but use simple language. Answer people's questions by directing the scripture. Expect the Holy Spirit to be working in their hearts and for them to come back to you eventually. And then when they come to Christ, bring them to us. Let's get them into our Zoom Bible study, our Zoom prayer meeting, our services on Sunday. Let's assimilate them so that they don't fall away by some cult misleading them. That's the practical manual that God has given for us today in Acts chapter 2. Now I'm going to ask you to respond, and I have a couple of prayers here 
Would you just bow with me, and I'm going to read the prayer, and you could agree with me in your heart. If you don't agree with me in your heart, then you could go ahead and just not say it in your mind with me. But let's pray. Risen Lord Jesus, I turn from my sins, and I turn to you. Please forgive me. Give me your righteousness and empower me to live for you by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let's keep praying. Heavenly Father, help me to declare the wonders of your salvation, which is by faith alone in the risen Lord Jesus, who is Messiah and King. Amen. I want you to keep thinking about this and allow the Lord to minister to you. Say, yes, Lord, what you have done in the past, do it again in our day. As you worked by your Spirit through your church in the past, work by your Holy Spirit through us, your church, today. Revive us today. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.